0: I drive in. It's early. It's like 4:15 in the morning. As I get there, side door of the house pops open. Dude with a shotgun rolls out, shoves the shotgun in my driver's side window in my face, is yelling at me, "What are you doing here? What are you doing?" And I'm like, ah, ah, I'm, ah. I'm literally screaming, trying to be like, "I'm delivering I'm papers. I'm delivering papers." And he goes, "No, you're not." And I was like, look at these papers! I literally <laughs> have <moved my> <laughs> those <out laughs> <up. laughs> Look at these
1: papers!
2: Already, already tweeting me, man. Exactly. That's good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying the intro song. <laughs> well, hey,
0: everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. I'm your host, Justin Pardee, hanging out here with Super Sport Stephanie Hi, Schaefer. Stephanie Schaefer. Yes. Vroom, vroom, vroom. And, of course, we've got... <laughs> Pastor Matt Brown.
2: I have a question for you. This yeah. is a philosophical question. Yeah, How do you tweet silence? Because mm. you just tweeted, but I didn't make any noise. So you yeah. may be the first person ever in the history of Twitter to tweet silence.
0: If you say something profound in a forest and no one is around, mm. does it still end up on Twitter?
1: Yes. yes. Yeah. If we're doing our job right, it does. <laughs> That's, That's right. right.
0: Somebody's saying, <laughs> Alina's in the bushes, g- g- tap, t- t- tapping through on the paths. Uh, really quickly, so I just kind of declared this new nickname for Stephanie calling her super sport last weekend on the show. You are definitely qu- the king. I
2: almost called you the queen of nicknames. Thank you. You are the king of nicknames. <laughs> you had a nicknames. great job while <laughs> it <that> lasted <buddy>. has <laughs> <laughs> been a good run.
0: Yeah.
2: Welcome back. You're fired. You are a, you're the king of nicknames right here.
0: How does, that, how does that one work out for you?
2: Can you get a give a a C, a C plus, yeah.
0: I did I debuted it with a sound effect though. I mm. went back and I really listened to it and I thought I thought I'd <laughs> it my did best a good effort. Job, yeah, didn't I really you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's pretty good. It worked its way into one of our reviews on iTunes. So Ooh, right. somebody super sport. shout out for Super Sport. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So.
0: hey, uh, as we get ready to jump into the show, I also just want to say thank you to all of you guys who reached out to me just offering uh, your thoughts and condolences for the status of my beard. I assure mm. you it's coming back after every drought. There is a harvest. Yeah. So you blew is definitely so bad. Well, do you, uh, do you have like a, I had I went out I went to Sandals Surf Marina Valley this weekend and people were saying your beard doesn't look that bad. Like that was how people were starting off well, their conversation with me. Well, because you made it me.
1: sound like you would like no, shave I didn't half make it sound of it off I didn't of make it face. sound so
0: bad. Pastor Matt saying it sounds really bad and
2: then I just expressed my sadness. Dude, your beard went to junior high and failed.
1: Oh. <laughs> <Aww>.
0: Well, <laughs> we're we're uh, we're it living looks, it in, is we're living back in looking back in the right direction. Yeah. I exactly. just can't
2: believe my beard is longer than yours.
0: I know.
1: I never thought that day would come. I'm trying to defer, so.
0: trying to, defer to you. It's part of my uh, just accept, accepting the posture of humility. Mm, you so yourself that. Yeah, dude. And I'm trying to consider myself. You to, may
2: be the most humble person on earth.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> That's his if goal. There's, if there's any joy, man, uh, <laughs> just take always, on, my, taking on the attitude humble, of Christ friends, Jesus, considering others am, better than yourself. <laughs>
1: okay.
2: Sorry. All right. I love those Dos like Equis commercials. Me too. Uh, uh, the most
0: interesting man on earth. It's true. Okay. We got some business before we do jump into the show. We're going to talk a lot about anxiety. Yeah. Uh, we're just
1: dedicating this entire episode the to whole thing. anxiety. So that's right. Yeah. Like we did, I think last week too, this is another one of your just best messages I think we've ever heard. Really so Thank if you're listening to the show right now and you've not listened to Pastor Matt's message from this weekend, just stop what you're doing right now. Pause the show. We'll still be here when you get back
2: mm-hmm. and go
1: check out Pastor Matt's message from this weekend. You can go to sandalschurch.com slash watch. You can see that message right there. It is Incredible. And it's going to give you a lot of good context for this show. Thank you show. very much. So But before we jump into the actual episode, we are running a contest. We want I to- love contests. Me too. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. So we are running a contest. We would love to get your five-star reviews in iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast app is. We did get some comments saying, how do we do this in Android? There are some mm. great podcast apps out there.
0: Yeah, it's like the Google Play Store or something. Have yeah. Just figure it out.
1: Yeah, well, we want to we want some great reviews that in those helpful. apps. Who else <laughs> well, I just most want them on iTunes because that's where I can see. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I
0: can see them. If you have an Android, and just stop listening needs. to Justin now yeah.
1: and and leave a review wherever you get your podcast and i in on your Android device.
0: Mm-hmm. Good luck with it.
1: I apologize that we're not as familiar with God those speed. outlets. We would love to get those on there, but leave would us a you review have a on there. Winner
0: from the first week or something.
1: We do have a winner. Um, we have a review here from Rollo sixty six who says it's figuring it out with a sprinkle of fun. He loves that he can come here to learn more about Pastor at sermons. Discussions often bring me a clearer understanding of the scriptures. I also enjoy hearing other listeners' questions and the dialogue and answers they generate. Lastly, these people are funny and make me proud to be a part of the Sandals Church family.
0: Mm. I like that. Figuring it out with a sprinkle of fun. You're the figuring it out. Stephanie's the sprinkle and I'm the fun.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I think that's your nickname.
0: Sprinkle. Sprinkle. Oh, no. How about sprinkle sport? That's... that's... Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so that yeah. person that person yeah. gets a, a prize?
1: That's right. So you can pick out your favorite piece of Debrief merch. Just shoot mm. us a question on debrief.show. You can just send it in there. Let us know that's you, and we will get that over to you. Congratulations. So, yeah, Congratulations. Thank you Congratulations. for those five-star reviews. Thank you for that five-star review. We had so many people send in reviews, too, like a like a dozen from last week's episode. So keep those coming in. Those help us get more and more visible on all of the different podcast apps and let people know that we're legitimate and one of the best Christian podcasts out there. We Absolutely.
0: So Absolutely. So let's jump into this. We got a couple of follow-up questions, and then we're going to talk about the debrief from anxiety.
1: That's right. So Melissa wrote in and asked if you could explain the difference, if there is one, between discernment and intuition. Are they both from God? Melissa says, many times throughout my life, I've had that gut feeling about things, people, or events. I've learned to trust this more the older I get, but I still question it. How do you know when to trust your gut?
2: Well, so is there a difference between discernment and intuition? Yes. Okay. Um, are these from God? Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. So how would, I, how would I describe the difference? Intuition is a natural gift that God has given you. Uh, discernment is, I think, spiritually a gift that God gives you upon your conversion. So you have the spiritual gift of discernment. So one is a supernatural gift, one is a natural gift. That's, how, that's just how I would divide them. People okay. might disagree, mm-hmm. but that's how I would divide them. So um, is there a difference? Yes. Are they from God? Yes. Um, what did she say? How do I,
1: how do I know when to trust my gut? Well, you
2: got to look at your record. I mean, that's what okay. I would say is yeah. how, how often have you been right? And how often have you been wrong? And you have to have a, the ability to discern when you're right and wrong and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. Whoa, mm-hmm. prayer of wow. serenity. Wow. So that, that's the problem with intuition is a lot of people go by their gut, but they're wrong all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I know a Christian leader that's constantly saying that he feels something. And every time he says, I feel, I'm like, this this is wrong. Mm -hmm. And what's amazing is despite his record, (laughs) he still feels like he has the gift of intuition and discernment. And and so that's what you have to look at is, is look at your history. Mm -hmm. If you're wrong on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. okay, but but there's the problem, right? And so a lot of people are self-deceived is they think they're right or they create a reality in which they're always right. Yeah. I.e. teenagers. <laughs> that's what teenagers do, right? They they follow their gut, even though their gut is mm-hmm. oftentimes really, really skewed. And so, so that's what you have to look at is look at your record. Have I been right in the past? When have I been wrong in the past? And then try to figure out what went off there. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of us uh, are intuitive. That means we we go with our gut. We have a sense of right or wrong. We have a sense of just when a person's coming at us or a situation mm-hmm. or something like that. And so. What I've had to learn in life is oftentimes my discernment is right and I have to speak up because people's lives are destroyed when I don't. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, I got this great idea. You know, I'm gonna start this business. And I'm like, that is not gonna go well. And then I have to discern, do they actually care what I think or do they just wanna throw their lives away? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, people, you know, the best lesson in life is a wall. So I have to let them hit it and mm-hmm. then come back. And say, yeah, I, I thought that was a bad idea. So, you know, truth is only good to give to people when they're receptive. So, so that's what I would say you know, how have I been right in the past? How have I been wrong in the past? And really, really try to just nail down those situations and figure out what was going on. So one of the things that throws off discernment is emotion. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So
2: like, um, you know, this is why, you know, women say, well, why do I always pick the bad guy? Well, your emotions are involved. Mm -hmm. So your discernment drops, your intuition, goes (laughs) goes <laughs> backwards when you're attracted to someone or something. And so our emotions, our feelings really can override intuition. And so that gut feeling, that gut sensation. And uh, I think the warning signs are always there. Later, we just don't listen to them. So mm-hmm. that's what I would say. Great, great question. One of the
0: things I think is really interesting is Melissa says, I've learned to trust this the more I get older. And I want to say something. This is not because you know I work for you or whatever, but I've been at Sandals a long time. And I really do look up to you as somebody who, embodies what does it look like to try and live a life following Jesus and being real with others. Uh, I think that you really are strong in your gut and you've got really good intuition and discernment, a combination of those more than other people. One of the things I feel like I've seen you do is as you get older and as the stakes increase for the types of decisions that you're making, you don't just go with your gut, but you pull other people sure. into those decisions, mm-hmm. which may, is maybe is somewhat counterintuitive because you've got right. a pretty good track record. And in spite of that, you're continuing to add community and other people into those decision making pr- making processes, yeah,
2: well, a great a great way to flesh out intuition and discernment is question asking and to have people in your life ask good questions. And mm-hmm. so because sometimes there's something I'm missing, there's something that I'm not seeing. And so um, you know that's the way I flesh out. you know, is this truly? um something i'm discerning and and let me just say this i'm never 100% well i shouldn't say never i'm almost never 100% on something because you know on our best days we we have 80 90% yeah i think this is going to work out uh, mm-hmm. because there's a thing called risk involved in life and so you got to move forward without knowing all the facts um and so that's you know financially relationally spiritually you do the best job you can with the information you have mm-hmm. and you try to move forward and you know over time i've i've done well i mean mm-hmm. Sandals church started with nothing Right, absolutely nothing. And here we are 20 years later and and we've done well. I've made mistakes, but I've learned from them. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing is don't be afraid to make a mistake, but don't be stupid enough not to learn from it. And so that's what I would say. Oh, that was good. Yeah,
1: you I missed sitting that. Here thinking, that was good. We should
0: here, take that. We'll, we'll, yeah. move, we'll move this closer <laughs> up. Yeah. All right, let's jump into debriefing the sermon. I think this topic of anxiety really connected with a lot oh, of people. and yeah. uh, Just in terms of people submitting questions for the actual podcast, we got way more between this last weekend's sermon and the show today mm-hmm. than we do most particular weekends that were on point on the sermon. So it landed mm-hmm. with a lot of people. One of the things I wanted to do just to start off the framework of this conversation, this weekend, you really interchanged the words worry and anxiety and talked about how they can be interchanged and even are, I guess, Mm -hmm. in the Bible, in the passages that we were looking at. You talked a lot about that, but just as a foundation for our conversation, can you just kind of describe the difference between maybe fear and worry and anxiety so that we have a...
2: Well, yeah, so I I think there are subtle differences. Um, You know, I think like a lot of people try to make a a difference between guilt and shame, and and I'm usually more confused at the end of people's, you know, explanation than Mm -hmm. when they started. And so I think that all three of those things are interplayed. So worry, anxiety, and fear. And so Worry and anxiety means I'm afraid of something happening or, you know, or I, I'm reminiscing of something that's happened in the past. I'm afraid it's gonna repeat itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's really just fear um, over something that, that hasn't happened. And that's usually where anxiety rests. You know, it's okay to you know, be fearful in a real situation, like mm-hmm. that's normal. What anxiety is, it's really fear in unreal situations or things that might be real or could be real, mm-hmm. and we get trapped in our own mind and we become overwhelmed with what might be. And so it's really your fantasy land going, you know, overboard, not in a positive way. You know, mm-hmm. some people live in a fantasy land and they're they're overly positive. You know, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that's weird about our culture is, Some people are so positive they're dangerous to themselves. They're unwise, right? Mm -hmm. What could go wrong? Well, a lot. And then other of us, you know, we're like, everything's going to go wrong. Nothing's going to work out. Everything's going to fall apart. And that's really, really unhealthy. So we need to move from fantasy to reality. And so that's where I think anxiety lives. Anxiety lives in fantasy land in a negative context. And so what I need to do is I need to combat my negative fantasies with positive realities. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Not this... You can do it, You know mm-hmm. all this self-help mm-hmm. stuff that really sets people up for failure because you can't think things into existence, right? Yeah. That, that, that can't happen. Um, and you can't think things into existence positively and you can't think them into existence negatively, mm-hmm. right? We are responding to an active, real world. It's not mm-hmm. make-believe. Real people are moving around us, real things are happening around us. And so again, the prayer of serenity is, I gotta pursue reasonable happiness in this world embracing it as Jesus did, right? Jesus embraced a world with death, disease, racism, sexism. Mm -hmm. He embraced a world with slavery. He embraced a world as it was with a lot of evil, promising another world for all those who want to follow him. And so, you know, he didn't try to change everything about the world. He tried to change the people in the world. And so as Christians, that's our response to the evils and worries of the world need to be, God, change me. Mm -hmm. Help me to rest in your presence because we can't change the world. As it is, I mean, there's just there's just too many moving parts, and so we we can change ourselves, and and by doing that, we change the world around us, our family, our friends, our church, the people that we encounter, and we and we we create a more positive place around us. So mm-hmm. so that's what I would say is those three things are really really intertwined together, but anxiety is rooted in what might happen, what could happen, and it's debilitating. Mm-hmm. So I, I won't get on an airplane because it might crash, it mm-hmm. could crash. Mm-hmm. So that's where I need to take fantasy into reality. So what are what are the chances of the plane crashing? Well, not much. They do crash. It it does happen, but you know, when when you when you're in that fantasy land, then then you don't drive a car, you don't go to the mall, you don't leave your house, you never walk outside because you're and, and so ultimately what's happening is you're afraid that you might die and so because of that fear, you actually die to yourself and just mm-hmm. just trap yourself in a wall and it's mm-hmm. really really sad and some people You know, if you don't start dealing with anxiety now, it's gonna deal with you later and ultimately Mm -hmm. destroy your life, Mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love how you just reframed it a
0: little bit as, even just with some positivity in there too, you know, like, acknowledging that. My wife struggles with, she has generalized anxiety and she said I could share this on the show. And she actually wrote this little note and this was kind of her response to your sermon this weekend. And I really love it. She said, I've had anxiety since I was a kid with as much pain as it has caused me. I also see it as a faithful connection point between me and God. It is a weakness that I've seen him be strong for me. And when I have nothing else to turn to in my fear, he is always faithful to me. I believe everyone has a unique weakness for them to rely on God for, a weakness that he is strong for. For me, that is an anxiety i hate anxiety but i love how it has drawn me to the lord yeah. and that very last sentence i just thought was really powerful when, when she shared that uh it just connects with how you're talking about living reality without these crazy expectations or whatever mm-hmm. Of saying she's saying you know this is a thing but it, through this thing i can push through to the lord yeah, that's so, great yeah it's cool
1: All right, this next question comes in from Sue, and she says, I find the subject of anxiety very difficult to put into a box. For example, I rarely stress or have anxiety, almost never. My husband, on the other hand, deals with stress and anxiety on an hourly basis. He has prayed and prayed, gotten counseling, takes medication combined with essential oils, Mm. and he still stresses every day. Me, nothing. Sometimes I feel like it's his thorn in his side, and maybe God is not going to take it from him, but he must learn what God wants him to do with it. Why is it that some people seem to be more prone to anxiety than others?
2: Right, so anxiety, and again, I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a medical professional, but here's what I understand about anxiety as a person who struggles with it, that anxiety is determined by three factors. One, physical, we're mm-hmm. biological creatures. So some of us are biologically more prone to anxiety than others, mm-hmm. just like some of us are you know, more prone to be tall, bald, fat, mm-hmm. beautiful, not so beautiful, right? We, right. We, we, we are a culmination of our parents who created us. Mm -hmm. Next, I think that there's personality. Some personalities just tend to be more anxious. Like we have a psyche. I mean, we develop personalities based upon our DNA and our experiences, we're social creatures. So what did you go through as a child? How were you raised? How were you encouraged? How did your parents speak into your fears? How did they walk you through that, right? Most children are afraid of the dark. And so Mm -hmm. how did your parents speak into that? How did they love you through the process of worry? Um, So there's biology, there's personality, and then, you know, I think that there's environment. And so, um, you know, what what is your work life? Some men uh, and women work in very stressful environments. Of course, those people are going to be more prone to anxiety. Some of us are blessed with careers where literally there's not a lot of, worry or anxiety about what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, there's safety in our job, there's stability in our job, people who don't have safety and stability in their jobs. Of course, they're going to be more prone to be anxious. And so, and so I know that, right. I mean, how did Sandals Church start? Um, it always cracks me up, you know, when we make an an offer to an employee and they're like, oh, I don't know if I can work for this, man. If somebody would offer me five bucks to start Sandals Church, (laughs) you know, I would have done it. And so here I am, right. A young man, I got a wife, um, we have a newborn kid, Madison was not even a year old. And here we are coming to Riverside to plant a church with no money, no stability, no safety, right? It was a very, very anxious time, mm-hmm. but we did it because God called us to do that. And so when I look at people who are like, yeah, I've got a job with a pension and I work for a government and, you know, there might be stress, you know, cause you work with an idiot, but you're not worried about your money. You're not worried about your pension and you're never gonna be rich, but you're never gonna lose everything. And so we just have to understand that our professions that we go into are either high stress or low stress. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of being real with yourself is just, is just telling yourself, you know, can I handle these spinning plates? And so, um, you know, my job is a very, very high stress job. And so what I've tried to do to mitigate my anxiety is, okay, I can't have additional spinning plates. So Mm -hmm. I I just, I'm already living in a world of stress. And so, uh, you know, like some people can manage a bunch of properties. I can't do that. So maybe I'm not going to make as much money on investments as other people can, but I can't handle another crisis to go run and fix a bunch of properties. That's Mm -hmm. not me. So I have to, I have to mitigate against that. And I have to understand, okay, here's how I'm wired. All of us have a stress threshold. We need to be honest with ourselves about what level of stress that we can handle. I've seen it at Samuel's Church over the years. Mm -hmm. As employees have had to handle more and more stress because of the growth of the church they can't handle it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Not all of us are wired the same. Not all of us can carry the same load. So what stress is that's unhealthy is when we're trying to carry things that God wouldn't have us carry. So Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Learn from me, take my yoke upon you because I am humble and and the rest I give is right eternal. So we've got to trust God in that. So oftentimes I, I might need to say, okay, I need to change my... Stress load. Like when, you know, we have a septa tank in my house and my guy was a big time business guy. I think he was a stock trader mm-hmm. in uh, in Newport Beach. And he's just like, look, I made five times as much money, but I couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And now he pumps poop for a living and he loves it. He makes, less, yeah, makes less money, but loves his job. He loves pumping crap mm-hmm. over dealing with the stress of losing people's fortunes. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very stressful environment when you're working with wealthy people and millions of dollars, in some cases, billions of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. It's oh, yeah. very, very stressful. And he just said, man, that's not worth it. And so you you gotta look at your stress level and say, can I handle this? What is the long-term prospect of that? And then you have to have, and this is why, again, if you're a single person, listen up, it's so important that you don't marry a person who's about money or stuff. This next weekend, we're gonna talk about financial wants and needs. And a lot of our stress and anxiety comes from unrealistic expectations when it comes to money. So if I'm a single person, right? I need to not marry a person who has expectations financially that are going to cause me stress. I need to not have expectations on myself that are going to cause me stress. I need to have realistic expectations based upon my giftedness, my location, my education, and just, you know, where was I born in life? Who who were my mom and dad? Where did I go to school? Like those things affect Mm -hmm. your ability to make money. And so we're going to talk about this that next week, but so biology, psychology, and then environment. And so Right? So medicine alters biology. Mm-hmm. That's what it's doing. It's not going to alter your personality. It may affect your personality, but you need to do the work. You need to do the emotional cleanup of your pain, your worry. You need to work through those things and really move your psychology from fantasies to reality mm-hmm. and and embrace that. Okay. What, what happens if you died? What happens if you lose your job and work through those things and then finally, you know, our environment, we might have to change our career mm-hmm. because I cannot handle this. And let me just say this to you. If you don't deal with these three issues, these three issues will deal with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just talking to a guy yesterday and, um, uh, you know, his father was a pastor, had total emotional breakdown, you know, at 60 years of age, complete failure. Mm-hmm. And and not, not like sexually, just like, not morally, just, psychologically collapsed. Wow. And now he's 60 years old. They've had to sell their house. They've had to move out. Why? Because there were things that were happening in his life. And like I said, there's biology. So you have your your genetics, you know, yeah, your family. Yeah. So uh, his family had some predispositions to mental illness. There is the psychology, you know, your expectations, what the pressure that I put on myself. Yeah, and yeah. then there's ministry, man. Ministry's brutal. Mm-hmm. People are tough. You know, I mean, you know, so many of you guys are so positive in my sermons. There's always somebody out there who oh, didn't yeah. like, something I said, and they just feel like their job is to tell me, Mm -hmm. you know, so I can't ever please everybody. And so you have to deal with, okay, here's the stress of my job. You know, don't be a police officer if you don't want people to, you know, never be mad at you, right? (laughs) Because nobody likes tickets. Mm -hmm. You got to handle that. So, you know, don't be a teacher if you don't want to deal with kids, you know, don't, don't, don't go into a profession. And that's what's so sad. Many people are trapped in their profession because now they're in a situation where they have to make a certain amount of money mm-hmm. to accommodate their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you change your lifestyle?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Why go rent an apartment and be happy yeah. rather than having this big house and all this stuff? And you know, um, Tammy and I are at this place in life where I'm just really saying I we don't I don't want any bigger of a house. I don't want any more keys. I don't want any more responsibility. Sandals is enough. Mm-hmm. That's enough. Um, you know, I don't need any more stress. And so you need to be honest with that and really walk back. Okay, I need to do that. I
0: love what you just said about the keys. That reminds me of Pastor Dan Zimbardi. You know, he talks about that. He looks at the keys that he's got on his key ring and he thinks through the responsibilities. It's just a good way for him to look through Mm -hmm. the different areas of responsibility he has in his life and ask, like, if there's any that he needs to let go of or eliminate through. Yeah. I love that one. So Sue, at the very end here, she actually said, sometimes I." she's talking about her husband. She says, sometimes I feel like this is his thorn in his side. Can you give us the context for why she's using that phrase, right? Because that's what the Apostle Paul says.
2: Yeah. So the Apostle Paul writes that he has a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it is. He doesn't tell it what it is. We know that he asked God three times to take it away. And every time God said, my grace is sufficient for you. So um, sure. I mean, this is- Is that a helpful way for thinking
0: about anxiety maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. But- um, I believe that the call of God, First Peter says, cast all your cares upon him before he cares upon you. So I, I don't think God wants us to be debilitated by anxiety our entire life. And just accept it. So no, I think we need to work to lessen it. And again, if we address the three issues, biology, psychology, and then my work stress environment, change those three things, consider another profession and really work through that. And again, the reason many of us can't do that is because we have unhealthy expectations. So what, what is the thief of joy? Expectations. I expect that I should be able to do this. I expect that I should live at this level. I should expect that my house should be this big, that I should make this much money, that I should have this retirement. Mm-hmm. And so unless I'm willing to alter my expectations, my anxiety is never going to be relieved mm-hmm. because I have um, inappropriate and not like sinful, but I have inappropriate expectations. My expectations are greater than my ability that's called anxiety, Mm -hmm. right? When I expect to do things that God did not design me to do, guess what? That anxiety is not going to go away. Your anxiety is not going to change until you change your life. Mm -hmm. So really, really work through those things and don't change things to where you're unhealthy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to live, we we have to go out, we have to work. And so work through those things. But absolutely, you know, it could be his thorn in his flesh. But again, I also think it's an invitation and praise God, her name is Sue, Mm -hmm. that you don't have it. That's... Great, most people mm-hmm. have some level of anxiety. And um, I, I just would really, really be thankful and, um, uh, and and try to understand that this is a real debilitating issue um, and, and just be supportive and, and encouraging as you can. But again, help him work through those three issues and a psychologist should be willing to work through those. And that's mm-hmm. the problem of just going to see a medical doctor. A medical doctor is going to prescribe medicine, but they're not going to prescribe the work that it takes to actually heal so yeah. think of you know prozac or whatever like a cast around a broken leg at some point there has to be rehab to rebuild the muscles to strengthen the bone to you know get healthy again and so simply you know making a cat putting a cast on your leg is not going to and I don't know if you know our listeners have ever broken something, but when you take a cast off yeah, it's yeah. weaker than mm-hmm. it ever was before mm-hmm. and so you have to now really really work at doing basic things in order to strengthen and so, that's just really, really important. And so, mm-hmm. you know, too many doctors today just prescribe pills, without, uh, you know, there should be, to me, a connection between prescribing medicine and seeing a counselor. That those mm-hmm. two things should go hand in hand, yeah. uh, because I don't, you know, I don't think that one is helpful without the other. Now, some people can go to counseling and don't need medication, mm-hmm. but people who are on medication definitely need counseling. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Yeah. So. So this is a great
0: follow-up question. Sherilyn wrote in and said, what can we do to help our spouses and close loved ones experiencing
2: anxiety? Yeah, again, I would just say, try to be as empathetic as possible and understand it's a real challenge. It's a real issue. Um, and, and, you know, I, you know, I, a great way to try to sympathize with a loved one is find something that really, really frightens you. Like maybe if you're frightened of heights and go stand in a really high place in a safe way mm-hmm. And, and that's the feeling of anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. You know, like if you don't wanna fly, go fly. Like that's what these people are living with on a regular basis and it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. So anxiety, right, your heart rate is increased, you're sweating, you're, you're not comfortable, you're irritable because you're worried. That's what stress does. Stress brings out the worst in us. And so find a situation that really, really freaks you out. Go do that and understand and ask yourself, okay, how would I feel if I had to feel this way all day? Mm-hmm. How would I feel this way if I had to feel this for a week? How would I feel if I felt this way for a year or 10 years or the rest of my life, right? Mm -hmm. That's what these people are going through. And we need to be compassionate and um, we need to be loving. The Bible says, carry one another's burdens. And so we don't enable because some people that have anxiety don't ever want to change, right? Mm -hmm. So I I don't spend a lot of time with people who aren't willing to address the biology, aren't willing to address the psychology, aren't willing to address the environment. If they're not willing to address those three things, I can't help you and I don't believe Jesus will change you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jesus wants to change people who want to change,
0: so. Just as much as you were talking about, you know that need to change for somebody who's wrestling with anxiety. Man, I feel like it's not an issue for me. I don't struggle with this. Even when Sue was like, "Me, nothing," I was like, "Yeah, me me too, sister." Um, One of the things I think I've had to do, and uh, an opportunity for us is is even to just pray that God would change our hearts. You know, Um, that we would be open to understanding and more empathetic. One of the things that was really hard for me to hear from Lindy when she started sharing with me about her struggles with anxiety was that. Uh, earlier in our relationship, we'd had people in our community group confess and share that they were wrestling with anxiety and she watched how I responded Mm -hmm. to those people um, and my response to them was wrong and not right Mm -hmm. and and it made it more difficult for her to get to a place where she felt like she could be real and honest with me. Thankfully, God did some some things in my heart and all that kind of stuff. And she did get to the place where she had the courage to share those things with me. But I think there's an opportunity for me as someone who loves somebody who deals with this to really pray that God would help open my heart, be mm-hmm. more sensitive to feelings, empathetic, and those kinds of things so that I can can come alongside her.
2: Yeah. And what I would say is if you struggle with anxiety, you know, uh, be honest and open about it. And one of the best ways to heal is to help someone else heal. Mm-hmm. That's the best way let God use your weakness for his glory and come alongside somebody else. Uh, That's what makes like AA so powerful. Uh, You know, people who um, have lost a loved one coming together with someone who else has lost a loved one. Like Mm -hmm. you are able in a unique way, minister to somebody who understands exactly what you've gone through. You know, God, I don't believe causes all our hurts, but he never wastes one. Mm -hmm. He uses them to help and bring healing to others. And uh, that's just what I would encourage you to do isolation will increase anxiety. Community will decrease it. And so you've got to get out there and be with other people. And so when you're anxious, you don't feel like being with people. And man, I understand that. I struggle with anxiety. And, uh, you know, I was was at a different gym than I normally work out. And somebody said, oh, are you trying to sneak in here, Pastor Matt? You know, because I was at a new Uh gym. And I just looked at this person and I said, I don't get to sneak in anywhere
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> okay wherever I go mm-hmm. someone knows me sees me that's my life right so I get when I when when I'm anxious I don't want to be out in public but I don't want to be in my house all the time either mm-hmm. so I got to get out there I got to connect with people and, uh, and and just you know isolation is not a friend of anxiety it is its enemy mm-hmm. so we we have to you know we have to really understand that that man, the worst thing I can do is literally wall myself off and isolate myself. All I'm doing is putting gasoline on the fire of anxiety. And mm-hmm. This is not good. Yeah. When you talk about other
0: people helping other people, I think that's one of the things that's so powerful about our grief share support groups that we have mm-hmm. throughout our different campuses is just the, the you know, you're coming in and you're going through this journey towards healing with mm-hmm. your the, your grief from whatever traumatic experiences you have. And your your leader is not somebody who's there trying to point you to the right place that they think you need to go to or whatever, but it's, somebody who themselves has walked through something traumatic and really hurtful Mm -hmm. and uh, they're sharing from their place. of Well,
1: and I think that can even happen in our regular community groups too. Like I remember, you know, about this time last year, I was dealing with like really my first experience with anxiety. And I remember talking to your wife about Mm. that and she gave me some really helpful things to work through that. And as I, you know, I was able to talk to her about that, be honest in our small group about that, or mm-hmm. even just with someone from my small group about yeah. that. It was really helpful. And then to now, you know, I'm married now to someone who's facing, you know, some. since we got married, Tyler's experienced a ton of anxiety, you know, our whole life situation has changed and he's dealt with that. And my experience with that last summer has grown my empathy for that and understanding for that mm-hmm. in incredible ways. Like I didn't understand why I was having to face that when I did and it was awful, but now I'm really thankful for that experience. Cause like you said, like I'm mm-hmm. able to empathize with him. I'm able to see right. why God allowed me to experience that because it's, increase my empathy.
2: Yeah, and let me say, let me say this to um, all young men and women who are single. Um, when you take on new responsibility, they're, they're, mm-hmm. that will create new levels of stress, which oftentimes can increase anxiety. Oh, so I, I think that a little anxiety when you get married, mm-hmm. when you buy a house, when you have children, that's that's actually good because mm-hmm. what causes anxiety? Concern. Mm-hmm. There's there's you know so uh, you know a, a young man like Tyler who's been able to do like whatever he's wanted for like the I don't know the last eight years since he moved out of his parents like he's free. Mm-hmm. He's gonna do whatever he wants. Now mm-hmm. he's got a bride. He's got someone who he needs to care for and and you know be there for. And he can't just do whatever he wants. And then if you guys have a kid, right? Whew, I mean that just goes <laughs> mm-hmm. through the roof because you know I, I remember when. You know, Tammy and I got married. I I didn't have really a lot of anxiety about marriage because I was like, man, she's a grown woman. She can do what she wants. She's, my wife's pretty capable. Mm -hmm. When we had Madison, man, I freaked out. I literally, uh, Tammy passed out after we had the kid. We had this Filipino nurse that I couldn't understand. (laughs) She was saying things to me. I literally had a panic attack. I handed Madison to the nurse and I left the hospital. Oh, wow. And I went home and slept. And I I literally, we had been up all night. It was a long thing. And I was exhausted from Tammy pushing. Yeah, you know, because I'm, <laughs> <hard>. I'm totally <laughs> sympathetic and empathetic. But I, I remember right before I went to sleep, I, I told God, I'm not ready for this. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I heard God say, I am.
0: Oh, man, wow. yeah.
2: And so again, when I can't handle something, what I need to do is trust mm-hmm. God in that. And so- I, I wish I wouldn't have left the hospital. I was really, really sad. To, it freaked Tammy out. You know, this is before cell phones and mm-hmm. people couldn't get a hold of me. And uh, they had to put uh, Madison in those little baking things because she yeah. wasn't done yet. You know, they <laughs> yeah, cook her a little yeah. bit. Um, so I came back to the hospital a couple mm-hmm. hours later. My wife was like, where were you? And I just said, freaking out. Because mm-hmm. I was a very self-centered person. And I realized at that moment that I cannot live a self-centered life anymore. Now, mm-hmm. we're gonna have a bunch of women out there who say, oh, that's what I need to get my husband. And nope. Some men don't get it, even after childhood. So uh, even after having a child. So don't think that having a kid will change every man. Mm -hmm. God did use that situation to help grow me up, but I had a lot of growing to do. And I really love Jesus and want to grow. So a lot of women think having kids will change men. And oftentimes men and sometimes women don't change. So don't Mm -hmm. use a kid to grow up. One of the things I
0: wrote down that you said on Sunday, and I wrote this down in the Sam's Church app on my phone, plug, was that anxiety comes from how much we care about things mm-hmm. and the gift that God gives to us in there. And I think that can be a real, like that's there's a strength or, or almost like something to pursue for somebody wrestling with anxiety. Like as you oh, move yeah. toward a place of healing, there's a, a real gift. Like you're going to be way more em- empathetic and caring and loving of a person than I'm going to be. Oh, yeah. um, I thought that was a really cool way of...
1: Yeah, I think what like triggered my anxiety was definitely like all of a sudden there was I was dating Tyler and I cared about a person in a way I never cared about someone before and my anxiety mm. went through the roof and I think some of what it came from too was just trying to trust God and trying to follow God in that, I instead thought like, well, I need to be prepared for God to do the, app. like I need to be prepared for the worst case scenario. Maybe God's just going to teach me a lesson. And I had a false belief about even how God was going to care for me in that, which shot my anxiety even higher. Cause I was like, oh, well, like I probably feel anxious because I like this too much and God's going to teach me a lesson by taking it away. Mm. Um, but well, it, it,
2: remember what we talked about on Sunday? So there's two <laughs> things that I need to change about my lifestyle. Do we need to stop or start something? Yeah. yeah. So we talked about stopping or starting a behavior or stopping or starting a belief, and mm-hmm. what you just actually shared is a false belief about yeah. God. So, I mean, that's actually a false theology that mm-hmm. came out through anxiety, and so yeah. anxiety is an invitation from God. So, mm, man, really, good. what's mm-hmm. at the root of what Stephanie was feeling is—is is God good?
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Because why? Because because the fear is right. The f- the fear that's rooted in fantasy, not in reality, is that God's going to give me something good and then take it away. Mm-hmm. And so that's not who God is. Every perfect and you know wonderful yeah. gift comes from God, the Father of Light from heaven, and so we have to trust him for that goodness. Now, mm-hmm. there is a possibility that it couldn't have worked out. Yeah. But you know, I, the only reason I think God would have orchestrated that is, is if Tyler was bad for you. Mm-hmm. So he would have worked out. But again, yeah. so in our fear, in our stress, what comes out is a mistrust of God, which mm-hmm. is the root of sin. And mm-hmm. Stephanie's a very good person, but also a sinner. Mm-hmm. So as we all are. And mm-hmm. so often, um, right? what does Satan do? He deceives us about the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm did God really say in Genesis chapter three? Mm -hmm. Is that what God really said? Because what he's really trying to do is keep you from becoming like him and knowing good and evil Mm -hmm. and Eve falls for it. So Mm -hmm. we, and again, that's why do I need to start or stop believing something? Because oftentimes anxiety is rooted in a false belief. Mm -hmm. God is not good. God is not loving. God is not in control. God is good. God is loving Mm -hmm. and God is in control. Mm -hmm. So I have to, Root my life based on the facts, not how I feel. And anxiety is rooted in feeling, not Mm -hmm. faith. So,
0: boom. Okay. (laughs) So, Allison says, How should we, uh, how should our approach change for those who experience long term anxiety uh, and those who experience maybe temporary
2: bounce of anxiety?
1: Do we have a different approach for people? Responding to someone who has anxiety. I think that's, she had tagged that on her question.
2: Oh, yeah. So, I mean, those are two different things. So, like, you know, you were sharing with Lindy, she's had anxiety from mm -hmm. her childhood, which what I would say means she's probably going to have it for some level of it for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. So part of it, it again, remember the prayer of serenity is trying to be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy in the next life. So I may never rid myself of anxiety. Again, the same guy who said, be anxious in nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. The same guy who said that said, I've sent Epaphroditus to you so that I may be less anxious. That's chapter two. Chapter four is don't be anxious at all. So again, chapter four is the ideal. Chapter two is the real. So, So here's what I would say is, um, if you are going to struggle with anxiety, you need to work to lessen it. But here's where the enemy gets you: is you feel like you lack faith if you don't get rid of it all, or you feel like God's not hearing you if it if it's not being you know you're not ridding yourself of it. So the prayer needs to be, how do I lessen this? It's the same like you know if if a person is obese. Okay, can you pray and make that God would make you skinny? No, but you can become more fit. You can become healthier, mm-hmm. you can lose some weight. Mm-hmm. but you know uh, you know if you're you know uh, a very, very large person, you're not going to be a runway model and that's okay. God has not designed you to be that. So quit asking God to, for you to be what you're not. So uh, oftentimes people who are anxious are very discerning people. they're very aware of things. Um, and what I would say that one of the key differences between you and your wife is your wife is more aware of things that are happening around than you are. <laughs> yes. so sometimes you can be a little Blind mm. yes. to some things, feelings, <laughs> even people sometimes oh, yeah. around you, and so, so look at that. God has put Lindy in your life with different gifts for a reason. Yep, and you guys can balance each other out and help each other out. You know,
0: our marriage needs somebody who cares about people.
2: Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, one of the hold on, things. The other oh, yeah. one was so an instant bound of anxiety. So mm, has yeah, something yeah. changed? Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, anxiety's a wake-up call. Something needs to change in my life. What's happening? What has changed? And so. Um, and again, uh, anxiety can be like a back injury. So a lot of people, like their back goes out and they, they go, "Why well, didn't do anything. No, you're right. You didn't do anything today, but you've been doing things mm. for years. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden your back goes out. That's how anxiety is. So a lot yeah, of people, yeah. when they say, I don't know what happened. I just got anxiety. Well, you've been working. Very hard mm-hmm. to create this monster, and the Bible's the Bible says there's this great book called The Body Keeps Score. It is not in the Bible; it is a book. <laughs> the, the Body Keeps Score, and it's just look, man. When you are doing things outside of your giftedness, outside of your ability, you're not trusting in God. You're storing up all of these emotions that have to come out at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, typically we call it a midlife crisis, but I actually see anxiety really tends to hit people in their 30s, mm-hmm. which is when it hit me when I hit Stephanie, that's when I see it full first, you know, kind of show its head. And so what happens in your thirties? Well, the dream life, the fantasy life of what you thought was gonna be, you you start, not all people, some people are still oblivious in their forties and (laughs) fifties, but in your thirties, you start to embrace reality. Okay, I'm not gonna be rich. I'm not gonna be famous. And and so you start having to wrestle with fantasy Mm -hmm. and go, okay, this is not happening. And what I thought my life was going to be is not going to be that. And so how am I happy in what life is? And you have to embrace that. Um, And for me, it was when I was 40, you know, I I just always thought I was gonna be super famous and write all these books and do all this stuff. And I turned 40 and none of that happened. Mm -hmm. And so I literally just had to go, okay. can I love my life? Yes, I can. I love my church. I love my kids. I love my wife. Yes, I, I can find happiness in this, even though what I thought would happen didn't happen. And so mm-hmm. that starts that starts to show its head in your 30s. Most people in their 20s are still full of fantasy, mm-hmm. right? I'm gonna be this, I'm gonna do all these things. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're like, man, you know, I can't do those things. And it starts <laughs> to cause that. So something could so happen. Right. It could be a death of a loved one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a breakdown of a relationship. It could be a you know you get fired uh, you all of a sudden you get a new boss right those things can happen and so you need to work through that situation and say okay what can I change about my circumstance and uh, sometimes sometimes you can't change things and uh, sometimes you gotta wait it out so. Yeah. Work through that. So I
0: love that Allison is wanting to come alongside people experiencing the anxiety. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think I can have been able to try and do with Lindy a little bit is help her see and celebrate wins mm-hmm. for great, you know, things that she might not even see for her own self, you know. Like she has a a, a a memory, like when she talked about childhood of being at camp and some some you know, fears and things when she was a, a kid at camp. Well, our oldest son, Titus, he's going to summer camp, you know, for his mm-hmm. first time ever this year. And, you know, she signed him up, no problem, is ready to move forward in that. And I think just the boldness and the push through of that mm-hmm. was, a, was a win for her that she didn't necessarily see or recognize. But I could see, hey, this is good for you. And helping, you know, that was a, that was a bold decision or, or whatever it was, a healthy thing. Helping people see that when they maybe can't see, see that themselves right. is really good because, mm-hmm. well— Anyways, it's for us. Okay,
2: yeah. so let me give you one more thing. Uh, for many people who have gone to counseling, uh, many people have tried medication, uh, and they're still really battling anxiety. I would encourage you to try something that's called um, Soul Direction, and that's a, that's a we have. Uh, soul care ministry at Sandals Church. And these are people who come alongside you. And really, so a counselor is going to really deal with how you're feeling and your emotions. Mm-hmm. What a soul care director is gonna do is, it's it, that person's job is to really connect you with God and where right. God is yep. in this process. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. And so we have some of those people at our church, but let me just encourage this. We, we pay money for everything. Don't be afraid to spend some money mm-hmm. in getting and caring for your soul. Um, you know, as Americans, we're just so weird. What we'll spend money on, we'll spend money on fun, entertainment, vacation, but we don't want to spend any money on healthcare, right? Everybody's freaking out or we don't want to spend any money on, on, on counseling or it just always blows my mind. You know, somebody will drop 70 grand on a car and cringe when, uh, you know, a a soul care director wants a hundred bucks an hour. I'm just like, your soul is eternal. That car will be a rust bucket, mm-hmm. and so it's it's about really about reestablishing priorities. And you know, don't be afraid to find a soul care director and somebody and spend time with them. And um, you know, we don't charge at church, but if you want a long term soul care director, you need to pay for that. You need yeah. to honor their time and not just be um, all about yourself. So I would encourage you to do that, and you can contact the church about how to get that started. And and again, we don't mm-hmm. charge initially. Uh, but we'll move you on to somebody else who can walk alongside you. And really, again, soul care is about understanding where God is in your process.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think having conversations with one of our soul care directors here is what helped me process even that bad theology that I was thinking. I remember sitting down with a mentor of mine who also did that, but getting some wise people in the process who can help you identify God and who God really is in that was really helpful. Right. So yeah, I think that's incredible. This next uh, question comes in from Tamara. And she says, first- I'm gonna
0: assume this is not your wife, Tammy Brown, writing in under a code name. I don't know. Well, I read the next sentence. I'm pretty oh. sure it's not her. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. So Tamara writes in and says, first, let me thank you for your message this weekend. I've suffered from depression after I was rejected by my church and many Christian friends. I was told over and over that I just had to have more faith and just ignore what was happening. I've since found a great therapist, but my question is, how can each of us change the way most Christians view depression and anxiety?
2: Yeah, you can't. Mm. Yeah, you. if you want to feel anxious, try to change the way Christians think.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
2: <laughs> no, I'm serious, man. Yeah, that's your word. You know, yeah. the, the, okay, you, if... You, just think about your own dysfunction and then multiply that times 2.4 billion, right? That's mm-hmm. Christians, right? Christians have stinking thinking, and that's the reality. <laughs> and uh, that's why I just don't argue with people, man. When people want to argue with me, I'm like, feel free to be stupid. There, there's God has given carte blanche permission for you to be an idiot. Go ahead and do that. There's a lot of unhealthy people. So there are these classes we're going to be offering at Sandals Church called Uh, the Christian growth tracks or Mm -hmm. workshops, excuse me. We we actually decided on workshops and we're going to be offering those when August. Yeah. uh, The officially everybody gets in September. Yeah. yeah, I would encourage all of you to go through those uh, workshops. And here's why. One of the things that I deal with in, in, in the workshop is what is Christianity? So Sandals Mm -hmm. is a Christian church. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's helpful. But what is Christianity? And Christianity is the process where God brings relational healing to self God, and each other through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know what God's trying to do. He's trying to make us healthy, relationally. Everything is about relationships. Your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, your relationship Mm -hmm. with each other. Until we understand what God's trying to do, how are we ever gonna accomplish that? And so, you know, Christians, they just believe that God fixes everything in an instant and clearly that is not the case. And all you have to do is look around. Yeah. and these churches that this name it and claim it stuff is just mm-hmm. disgusting. It mm-hmm. isn't real. It doesn't work. And um, you know a lot of those people that are into that are just taking your money so that they can live you know these opulent, fantastic lifestyles at your expense and that's just sickness. Look, as Christians, the moment you get saved, your relationship with God is healed. However, that perfect relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ now needs to permeate your relationship with yourself and how you understand God because until he brings healing to you, Mm -hmm. right? Our thinking about God is still wrong. Mm -hmm. Until God brings healing to me, my relationships with others are not going to be right. And so a lot of my relationship with God is dependent upon my relationship with myself. I need to work on me so that, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you according to his will and purpose. And so that was in Philippians. I need to do that hard work. And a lot of Christians, here's what most Christian churches are. You're going to heaven or hell, right? It's you're in or you're out. And so when we make that the sole goal, we have a lot of people who think they're going to heaven and are not training for heaven whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And so how do we train for heaven? By allowing God to heal our relationship with him, with each other and with self right? We're going to be with each other forever. And you see all these people running around that are jerks for Jesus and they're completely self-absorbed. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know what Jesus is about. And Jesus says this to the Pharisees, if you knew my father, you would know who stands before you. Mm -hmm. And who were they? Bible students who studied the Bible all the time and were these just incredibly self-centered jerks and they killed Christ. And so you, you, you can't change the world. What I would do is invite them to sandals, invite them to a church that believes that healing, relational healing is a part of what we do. Mm -hmm. Okay. We can't always heal diseases. We pray for it. We ask for it, but we can heal relationships. Mm -hmm. We are ministers of reconciliation. That's what the Bible says. We reconcile others to God and each other to each other. We work at peace. In Philippians 2, Paul asks the two women to get along in the name of Christ. Mm -hmm. You guys are commanded to relationally heal with each other. And that takes work and it's not easy and we need to work towards that. So um, I think we need to understand we're all broken. So that's another thing that we cover in the workshop. Mm -hmm. We're all broken and that doesn't change when we get saved. We're all broken. And again, why are we so anxious about relationships? Because we have unhealthy expectations that people are perfect, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So this is why people become disenfranchised with God. Mm -hmm. If you go to a church that's name it and claim it and you pray and you ask, you know, for your person, your, your loved one to live and they die. Well, God must not be who he is. No, your understanding is false. Mm-hmm. Believe that Jesus can, pray that he will, trust his decision over your desire. So we work through those three. And that's just, listen, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm going to. That will change your prayer life. Mm-hmm. Believe that he can, pray that he will, and trust his decision over your desire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because God sees things from a perspective that we don't see. God's decisions are not marred by sin. It is literally soaked in love and focused on eternity, and we just have to trust that process. And um, it's a difficult, difficult thing. So I really love that part of your message uh, on that last part. You know, trusting
0: trusting God's will on that. It, is there are there things that we can do practically to help in that? You know, I was at church this weekend, and as you were walking through that, like I said, I could see this couple in our church who I know in the last year just went through something just absolutely tragic that no one would should ever have to go through and as they were as you were talking about that you know I, I just watched as they both were tearful you know um in terms of saying we're you know we're trusting God we're in his will is there something practical that helps with that because to me that just seems so
2: hard what just, just difficult things that people go through
0: yeah like so, so your last to point yeah how will? do you trust God's will at the end of that situation let me pull up your notes again right hope th- you know believe Jesus can do it hope Jesus will do it he doesn't do it or does something that the opposite of what you were believing and hoping and praying for. And now you've got to trust his will. In okay. The, so he, the he, here's thing. the
2: tension. W- when I, when I trust my desires over God's decision, w- w- what am I believing that's false? I know better. Mm-hmm. I know better. So God has created an environment in which we live. Here's the environment. It's a sinful environment. And so a lot of people ask this question, why, why if God is so good, why do bad things happen? And here's what I would say. If the earth is so bad, why do good things happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think we should be surprised at beauty not at brokenness. Mm-hmm. Clearly the world is broken. And, and so you know I, I think a lot of us are asking the wrong question. So God has created an environment in which cancer cells grow in bad people and good people. And so why, why is that important? Because God wants us to choose to do good, not for our own benefit, beca- but because it's good. That's mm-hmm. what God wants to produce in us. So if you're a parent and your children only do good because good behavior is rewarded and bad behavior is punished, Do you have a good child? Mm. No, Mm -mm. you're raising an animal. Mm -hmm. That's what an animal does. An animal averts pain and seeks pleasure. God. So, so if God blessed us all, and so if you love me and you follow me, you never get cancer. Mm -hmm. You're all going to be rich. You're all going to be happy. Everyone would automatically what? Choose God, but we're not choosing God. We're choosing the blessings of God. So God has created an environment where, where good things and bad things happen to both. And what he's Telling us is trust me. In the end, all your sufferings in this life, for my sake, not for your stupidity, for my sake, will be rewarded a hundredfold in the next life. Mm-hmm. We have to trust that. Yeah. And so sometimes, man, people die. You know, um, we, we, we've got we've got to we've got to deal with that. I mean, you know, two of the most influential pastors in my life, Pastor Greg Glory and Pastor Rick Warren, both lost sons. Mm. You know, I knew Matthew and I knew uh, Timothy. I knew them both. You know, they're they're. Uh, they're, they're, you know, I'm sorry, not Timothy, Christopher, geez. Um, you know, um, they're both gone.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They love God. They've served God. They've done more for the kingdom and they've gone through the most painful thing a person can go through. Does that mean God's not good? Mm-hmm. No, it means bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. So we have to deal with that. So, um, you know, we have to trust God's plan. What is God's plan? So think about like D-Day. Tammy and I went to the World War II Museum in um, uh, New Orleans a couple months ago. I was wrecked. I was wrecked. Mm-hmm. I was wrecked.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and the reason that I was wrecked is when I think about World War II, I think about the victory,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? Yeah, it yeah. moves me, mm-hmm. it's, it's literally, people don't realize how great what America did was. Mm-hmm. They fought two wars on two continents against two superpowers and were victorious. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is incredible. So when we think about it, right, it's amazing but then you walk through and you see the stories of guys that didn't come home
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and you realize the sacrifice that it took for America to be victorious. When you look at the, you get in the weeds and you look at the loss, it's overwhelming and you wonder, was it the right decision? Because dads didn't come home. Husbands never came home, Mm -hmm. right? It was horrifically painful. Mm -hmm. But when you look at it from the victorious side, right? We're not Nazis. you know, we're, we're not conquered by the empire of Japan, which was very, very much like ISIS is nowadays, right? This, this just crazy worship of the emperor and this mm-hmm. this belief in, um, you know, this really, really rooted in racism and superiority over all races. It was, it was an ugly thing. And i that's not disparaging about Japanese people today. They're great today. They changed, mm-hmm. um, but it was a sickness back then. So one of the things is when we lose a loved one, like, you know, it's hard to think of the value of World War II when your brother doesn't come home. Yeah, when your dad died, Mm -hmm. that that pain. But when you look at the overall picture, and that's what we need to look at, is look. There's going to be some loss, Mm -hmm. but what is the overall picture? We are victors in Christ Jesus, and God will make all things new, and He will wipe away every tear. So in the end, it's going to work out. But there may be loss. Yeah, and um, you know, um, pastors die. Mm -hmm. Pastors, I mean, I don't care how spiritual you are, you are not going to avoid all pain in this life. And so, um, you know, and so that's a whole nother de- debrief to talk about why there's pain in life if God is good. And we could we could talk about that, but. Yeah. Um,
0: Man, that was a really helpful analogy for me to think through just that, the World War II and that victory in the bigger picture thing. That was really helpful. I like that. And, you know, one of the things that's really impressive is there are so many, families uh, or individuals in our church who've walked through really difficult experiences Mm -hmm. and the faith and trust that they've had in God has led other people into relationships with Jesus through that, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's that bigger picture type thinking that you're talking about, you know, at the, at the end. That's, man, that's really good. And one of the things,
2: one of the things that we've lost in our culture is the sense of good for the we. Mm -hmm. We're so focused on the good of me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, this is why, you know, with the healthcare debate and all of these things in our society is look, uh, universal healthcare for all people will bankrupt their country. But what we mm-hmm. do is we focus on these individual people and we've lost the overall sense of things. And uh, we, we can't afford all of these things. And so the problem is when we, when we look at one situation, when we look at the small picture, we don't look at the big picture. And that, t- that type of thinking has, has infiltrated Christians. Mm-hmm. So when something bad happens to me, and I'm focused on myself, I don't see the big picture mm-hmm. and, and what's happening. And, um, you know, uh, again, a lot of us are more American than we are Christian. And and eventually, right, um, you know, this individu- individualistic, nature of american it's going to it's going to destroy our country long term just like i think it's destroying the church what i want what i need rather than what is the big picture what is god doing how is the gospel advancing mm-hmm. like everybody everybody wants the world to be saved but nobody wants to send their kid to be a missionary
1: mm-hmm.
2: well how does that work right you have to you have to suffer loss in order to experience wins and so just as americans man you know, we talked about last week, we want to eat our cake and have it too, <laughs> but once you eat it, it's gone. Yeah. You can't you can't have it both ways. And so we have to trust that God is moving, God is doing something, and we just struggle as Americans with big pictures. Mm-hmm. We just we, we, we need to rise up and look over and say, okay, how do we help this situation? Yeah. And um when you're focused on the individual, man, and, and that's that doesn't mean that individuals don't matter. They do. You know, the one person who is disaffected by uh, or who is affected negatively by healthcare, it, that person does matter. Yeah. But you can't develop a policy based upon the one. You you have to try to do the, it's just, and I didn't want to get pol- political, but that's a big issue that's facing our country is no matter what system they choose, it negatively affects somebody. True. Mm-hmm. Um, so no matter how God redeems the earth and, and evangelizes, someone is going to experience loss and pain and suffering. And um, we're really not upset at that. We're just upset when it affects us.
0: Yeah, that's so true.
2: Um, because, you know, parents aren't, usually moved by the loss of someone else's child. They're moved by the loss of theirs. And when your kid gets cancer, all of a sudden you go into a club that you didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. And you see hundreds of parents yeah, who have been in this club that you are now in that you didn't want to be in. And it's brutal. Mm. And um, uh, again, please don't send any comments about healthcare. <laughs> so I just was trying to, that, that's just one of the great problems is how, how do you do good for a lot when it causes suffering to few? Right. So it's a challenge.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, speaking of medication
0: and healthcare, <laughs> oh. uh, we've got a question. This one's from Kimberly. What does Jesus say about taking medication for anxiety? Is it in the Bible? And you talked about this at the end of your sermon.
2: Yeah, nothing. He didn't say mm-hmm. anything. And so, uh, again, Jesus can't address every issue uh, because a he doesn't live in our time, and b you know John says that you know we could fill tons of books with what Jesus said, and they didn't they didn't write them in there. So. He doesn't address it specifically. And so this is where where you need wisdom. So James 1 says, ask God for wisdom and he will answer that prayer. As we need wisdom. God, how do I live my life as a Christian in this life? And so, um, you know, some groups say that, you know, you should never use medication. I create, I think I painted a picture that, you know, Hezekiah in the Old Testament is healed by God and he uses um, the oils mm-hmm. that uh, his doctors place on him to heal the boil that they thought would kill him. So he must've had some kind of huge infection or something, right? But God used both. Mm -hmm. And so what I think we need to do as Christians is we need to exercise all options possible within, you know, spiritual counsel and in whatever, you know, we, I don't think we should choose heroin to overcome pain. I think that's, that's a bad choice Mm -hmm. because uh, with heroin you're choosing a different demon, but heroin is good sometimes. Like for example, if they have to cut off your leg, in the civil war. Yeah. I'm taking heroin, right? Yeah. I want morphine. That's what that is, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah that's, yeah. that's a gift from God. Mm-hmm. As you're sawing off my leg, please, please. feel free to please. inject me with heroin. Yes, so, yes. so there are some instances, um, but right. It, it's, it's, it's highly addictive. And so that's what we need to, we need to weigh is some medications are addictive and, and they, they make us slaves. The Bible says we should be a slave to nothing. Mm-hmm. So anything that controls us is bad for us. So we cannot be controlled by anything. And that includes drugs, medications that includes, uh, You know, sex, it includes, you know, even exercise, hobbies, whatever. We cannot become slaves to those things because we have to serve Jesus. We can only have one master. So Jesus doesn't say anything about it. What I I feel like in the message, I communicated clearly that if a legitimate doctor, Mm -hmm. okay? So, you know, I feel like we've talked a lot about marijuana And I'm just opposed to marijuana for for many, many reasons. And I've even heard lately that we have people in our church who grow it and are dispensing it to other people. I'm against that. You're not a doctor and you don't know what's best for people. So go to people who actually have training. And again, I'm not opposed to all marijuana usage. When my uncle was dying of cancer and he lived at my house, I encouraged him. I said, smoke a joint in my backyard. Mm -hmm. Uh, It helped his appetite, it helped him relax. And that's fine. I did not smoke the joint with him, Right. right? I did not have cancer. So. I am for it in some situations, in some cases, but you know, uh, marijuana doesn't help everything. And that's that's the thing is people, you know, it's it's like the essential oil crowd, you know, they might work a little bit, but it doesn't solve everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, except I enjoy my wife rubbing oil on me. I like that, that's that's <laughs> nice. So, but you know, there, there, is no, there is no heal all, whatever. So go to a doctor, you know, try to understand the side effects, um, and, and try to work through that process. So I think it's fine. You know, Paul instructed in the verse that I I shared this weekend for Timothy to drink some wine. Obviously, they prayed for healing, and and he and he just constantly had stomach problems. Yeah. And um, so Paul said, drink a little wine. Yeah. So, great All right. question.
1: All right, our last question comes in from Tiffany. And she says, you talked about anxiety this week, and I struggle with this a lot. I'm always thinking about the what ifs and how I can prevent them. I'm told all the time that I think too much, so I finally let my guard down and was trying to live one day at a time. But in the midst of this, my boyfriend unsuspectingly broke up with me, and I've been devastated since. Just as I thought I had a grip on my anxiety, I now feel like I've been thrown backwards into worrying and overthinking again. I'm trying to give it to God and pray constantly, but the anxiety is overwhelming. How do you overcome anxiety during an emotional time?
2: There's an oil for that. Yeah. It's lavender. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Tiffany, um, you know, first of all, you know, I'm sorry your boyfriend did that. Um, look, not all relationships end in marriage. So you that's a healthy expectation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Not all not all relationships end in marriage. Matter of fact, most don't. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality. Mm-hmm. Not all marriages stay together. So, you know, we 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 can we can hope for that, but the reality is, you know, breakups throw us into a great deal of emotion. And that that's a reality. So I, you That's know, I, I, I would encourage you to see a counselor. Did she say she's seen a counselor?
1: Mm, not that I see. Yeah, so,
2: so, so here's the thing that concerns me is, you said people say you think too much, and you said, I finally let my guard down, and then I think that you're drawing a correlation between two things that don't go together. Mm. So there's, there's nothing go- that goes together between your boyfriend dumping you and you letting your guard down and not overthinking things. Those are two separate issues. One is healthy, the other one was hurtful. And you can't you can't draw a correlation between those two things, and we do that a lot of times, you know, um, you know, uh, even Americans we see the stupidest things. Oh, things always come in threes. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah. We just count to three. That's okay. what we do. So a lot of times, as as Americans, you know, um, we we believe things that are false. Mm-hmm. And again. Do I need to stop believing something or start believing something? You know, in Turkey, they believe that if the windows open when you're pregnant in your home, you get sick, even if it's 110 degrees outside. That's Mm -hmm. stupid. Okay, but it's a belief. Mm -hmm. It's a culture, and so we have these cultures of things, and so we got to make sure that we don't put things together falsely. Mm -hmm. So those are two separate things. Yes, if people are telling you overthink things that's probably a good thing that there's that you have people that love you mm-hmm. that are speaking into your life. You need to get out of your head and get in the real world. Now, you shouldn't stop thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. You need to continue to think. You just need to not let your mind just race all the time. Mm-hmm. And so let me teach you a great exercise. So one of my favorite verses is Colossians 3.15. Um, you know, I, You can call it yoga, call it stretching, whatever. So in yoga, what you do is you breathe. You breathe in, you breathe out. Why is that important when we're anxious? One of the first things that gets out of control is our breathing, Mm -hmm. which then affects our heart rate, which then causes us to panic. And so one of the first physical things you can learn to do to control anxiety or to diminish it, let's not say control, but to diminish it is to learn to breathe. And so what I would encourage you to do is when you're thinking crazy thoughts, you're overthinking, your mind is racing. One of the ways that you can slow down your mind is by slowing down your breath. Mm -hmm. So breathe in and breathe out. And the verse that I use is Colossians 3.15. This is my my summarization of the verse. Let the peace that comes from Christ control your thoughts. Let the peace that comes from Christ control your thoughts. Breathe out and be grateful. And that's why I don't say namaste. I don't do all that stuff. A lot of yoga is Hinduist religion. I'm not a Hindu. I'm a Christ follower. I don't do that stuff. I don't say namaste. I don't do that. I just don't. I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. I believe that he comforts me. He is a real Person who loves me and died for me on the cross. So I breathe in, let the peace that comes from Christ control your thoughts. So oftentimes, you know, think of anxiety like your, your brain on the freeway. It's just going too fast. So you got to slow it down. How do you slow it down? You slow it down with your breath.
0: Unless you're actually listening to the debrief right now in your car, driving on the freeway, Try and just avoid all the relaxation that Pastor Matt is yeah. bringing towards <laughs> you right now. Uh,
1: you know Stay what? That focused. might be helpful on the freeway. Well, maybe. Cut maybe. down some road rage.
0: Just, so. I'm just real nervous yeah. about somebody falling asleep or just
2: entering a deep pace of relax yeah. listening to the show. So what was her name? Tiffany. Tiffany. So and I, I'm not not picking on you, but a lot of us make unhealthy wrong connections. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what you've done here is you're connecting two independent actions that are not correlated in any way. Mm-hmm. Now, your boyfriend could have broken up with you because- he thought, you thought things, I mean, I don't know why he did that. And I don't know that young men know why they do what they do. <laughs> so uh, remember that uh, your brain is not fully formed until mm-hmm. you're 26 if you're a man. So I always remind uh, my wife of that. So, yeah. and I think women are 25. So your guys brain forms about well, a, a bit year ahead before. of us. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, right? an unfair advantage.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't say too, Tiffany. I think what I see a lot of working through here is just the lie that you can control situations. You can control, if you just act perfectly, your boyfriend won't break up with you. If you just find a way to not overreact, not think too much, that's probably what leads to your overthinking. And a lot of that I think is just that lie of, if I can just find a way to be in control in this situation, nothing bad will happen. And so I would definitely like guard against that lie that you needed to be, you weren't perfect and therefore he broke up with you. Um, There's probably a lot of other things going on in that, but I think to definitely avoid that lie, because I think you talked about that, Pastor Matt, a lot of what leads to our anxiety is, concern and a desire to control right and i think a lot of this is maybe leaning to the side of controlling like oh if i could have just been in control of this situation if i just acted perfectly and that's not the truth
0: right no so. guard against if we were still doing learning christianese at the end of every show that would be the one that i would nominate for Guarded. this guard against guard against mm. you said it so na- so naturally and so casually right, well. up from there so we are gonna <laughs> that was an excellent show a lot of good stuff step th- hold on we got to hear from marcel he sent in a note about the debrief pastor matt you're gonna love this you're gonna oh, love yeah. this it's great okay marcel says you want to read it or me
1: um i'll read it okay good all right marcel says hello I'm Marcel. Hello, Marcel. I'm from Rwanda and I'm one of the Rwandan students who were at CBU from 2008 to 2012. I attended Sandals Church while I was there, and after returning to Rwanda, I found myself longing more for sandals, or for more sandals. A place to be real has God has called us to be. There's not a single sermon I haven't downloaded since and I'm an avid Debrief follower. I just want to thank you and appreciate the work you're doing to win more souls to Christ, even if they're thousands of miles away. No words would be enough to thank the PMB for responding to God's call and starting a church with a vision that has changed my life.
2: Oh man, thank you, Marcel. Isn't that awesome? So cool. I love it. Well,
0: hey, if you guys want to share or get uh, follow-up, there's some verses and all kinds of other stuff that Pastor Matt talked through and referenced in the show. You can jump online, catch all of our show notes. Uh, just go to www.debrief.show/ 71 that's right and uh, get all kinds of good stuff there. that's
1: right and you can also follow us at the debrief show on instagram facebook and twitter that is a great place to get quotes from this episode to share this episode with your friends i am feeling this one is going to be really great for a lot of folks so please share this episode with anybody you know we would love to get that out there so just look for us at debrief show on instagram facebook and twitter we are also on youtube what's up to our friends on youtube we record every single episode here so you can also watch us on youtube or maybe you're watching us right now and getting to check this all out we would love to see you there we're also at the debrief show on youtube
0: Really quick, what's the contest? The contest is still running, right?
1: That's right. Send in your five star reviews on iTunes or whatever podcast uh, app you use. iTunes. Okay, we're we're big fans of iTunes You're being here. Generous. I am being generous. I want to be inclusive. Christianity is inclusive. That's very. That's very nice. So.
2: And exclusive. And exclusive. If you took the workshop.
1: That's oh, right. Oh,
0: boom. Yes. So uh, we'll see those five-star reviews coming in on iTunes. Can't wait for it. That's Can't wait right. to get We'll those. pick some of
1: those out. We will announce some of those winners over the course of the summer. And you can pick out your own piece of Debrief merch. And it's And
0: nice. here's the last thing I want to say. If you want to support what God's doing here at Sandals Church and the Debrief and those kinds of things, we appreciate all of those of you guys who give to help support that. The easiest way for you guys to do that, or the best way, I'll say, is to send a text message. You can just text GIVE DEBRIEF. That's two separate words. Give debrief to 951-900-4120. You are not just uh, helping us create the show here and opportunity to dig deeper into what Pastor Matt's got going on on the weekends. You're also helping us create more and more places to be real. Speaking of which, we got super exciting news we're gonna be sharing this weekend Mm. at Sandals Church. So everything you guys are doing to support what God's doing here and the vision is absolutely fantastic. We're so grateful for it. Uh, It is awesome. All right, we got a couple more weeks of Beyond Happy. One more week? Two more weeks? One more week. One, One more week. week. And right. it is
2: done. Then it, it
0: is then, finished. At, we will all be happy. A, at the end of this yeah. next week, we will be Beyond Happy. Beyond, yeah. Beyond Happy. Well beyond, it. Beyond, beyond, Beyond Happy. Mm. This is not an exaggeration to the story Anyway, Right as he starts yeah. to peer in, I just reverse out of there. Boom, pull the shot out. He gets in his car, starts chasing me around, starts Shut following me. It. I drive way up, I drive into somebody else's, onto somebody else's property, park on the other side of a giant dumpster that was there because they were maybe doing renovations or something. Turned off my lights my engine, and I'm just like <laughs> praying to Jesus that this guy is not gonna find me.